Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about malware analysis for blue teams, and it's my pleasure to be speaking with Tarek Sala, Domain Tools Senior Security Engineer. Tarek, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Tarek, let's start with, with talking about blue teams. What's the mission for a blue team when it comes to malware analysis? Yeah, so I think one of the most important missions to have as a blue teamer is to take each threat, and this doesn't have to be malware-centric, but really just focusing on the threat side of the house, is determining if they're affected by the threat. And if they are affected by the threat, what type of data is at risk? I think a lot of security practitioners sometimes look at other avenues and other uh, missions, but ultimately with any threat we face, whether that's malware or web application security or physical security, we really as security people need to always have the, the core mission of, am I affected by this? And if I am, what kind of data is at risk? So Tarek, from your perspective, what have been some of the gaps that blue teams traditionally have overlooked when analyzing malware? Yeah, so from a technical perspective, I think that a lot of teams and a lot of practitioners really commonly miss looking at what the malware's capabilities are. So, and what I mean by that is when you're um, doing analysis of malware, whether that be static analysis with a certain set of tools or you're looking at the malware from a behavioral perspective, you're doing dynamic analysis. I think a lot of times blue teamers typically look for maybe what if there's an exploit involved or if the malware is doing a different type of persistence mechanism. And, you know, those kind of things are really fascinating and make malware analysis a lot of fun. But I think some of the biggest gaps are missing what the capabilities of the malware is, meaning, you know, does the malware itself or does the threat itself communicate with a type of, uh, you know, C2? Or does the, I mean, does it have like network capabilities? Or does the malware look for a specific type of data? Does the malware look for banking credentials? You know, because those are the, those are the most important parts as a high level. If you're looking at it from like a pyramid perspective, understanding like the fundamental capabilities of the malware and what it does. And I think another another big gap that I've noticed with uh, from the blue team perspective is skill sets. I think a lot of times if you have the title of a um, you know security analyst, that's also that's that's kind of a vague term. It's kind of a catch-all term where you can have people that are security analysts that have a whole wide range of skill sets. You have certain security analysts that are very proficient in like the web app level, but maybe they're a little bit weaker on the malware side. And so it's a personal and it's a company problem where when it comes to level setting a lot of those skill sets, that's it's a huge gap. Like, I guess a good way to put it is not every analyst is created equal. So it's really important for um, security organizations and security practitioners and professionals to really fine tune their skill sets so they can be effective at doing malware or just security analyst work um, in their environment. So Tarek, if you look at some of the best tools and skills that are available today, with those, what are some practical methodologies for analyzing malware effectively? Yeah, so from a tool perspective, I think it's really um, important to have a whole range into your belt, kind of like Batman's belt. 
you don't have necessarily one tool to rule them all, I think you need to take things very situationally. But on a very high level, I think every every blue team practitioner should have some sort of an automated malware analysis sandbox. Now, whether that's something that's an on-premise configuration like a Cuckoo setup. So Cuckoo is a really common kind of a turnkey malware analysis sandbox um, that's open source um, that can run on commodity hardware and that can really provide a lot of value right out of the gate. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier where we have skill sets of certain um, security analysts that might be um, different across the board. You might have one person who's kind of an expert in this area, whereas they're a little bit weaker on the malware side. Automated malware analysis sandbox platforms like Cuckoo really help take away a lot of the technical skill sets required to dissect and analyze malware. You effectively feed the sandboxes a sample, whether it's an executable or a Word document or a PDF, and it'll go ahead and execute that on a virtual machine, loaded up with different various types of instrumentation, collect a bunch of data, and present it to the analyst in a nice-to-read report. So it's really taking away the kind of the pains of the manual investigation piece. So I definitely recommend that as one of the big bang-for-your-buck tools you can have in your arsenal of doing malware analysis. The cool thing about Cuckoo also is that it's a very modular framework. It's open source, like I mentioned earlier. So if you have development resources inside of your security team or you know you know more often than not if you're a security engineer you have those skills yourself you can tack on different components and different things inside of cuckoo to really expand the framework to benefit you so for example if you want to um, hijack some of the c2 communication if your malware does that and redirect it to maybe to one of your honeypots for different analysis you can do that with with cuckoo um, so i highly recommend that there's um, also a lot of third-party um, services out there. CrowdStrike Falcon has a great sandbox. There's obviously VirusTotal um, and hybrid analysis. There's, there's a lot of solutions out there, but it's definitely a great bang for your buck. That's on kind of the automated services side. I also really recommend that anybody that wants to get into malware analysis and threat analysis to um, download a copy of the Remnux uh, Linux distribution. That's a, a virtual machine that was created by Lenny Zeltzer. He teaches the SANS Forensic 610 course, which is phenomenal. I highly recommend anybody to, um, if they really want to get their feet wet with malware analysis, to start there. And that's a distribution he created, which has tons of tools already loaded, configured, ready to rock, and it's in an isolated environment. So I think right out of the gate, a automated malware sandbox platform and Remnux, that's a pretty solid combo. Tarek, with all the options you've outlined here, it seems to me there's a risk of analysis paralysis. How can blue team members avoid that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So when you're first getting started with malware analysis, you are going to be overwhelmed with a lot of different types of data. For example, looking at Cuckoo, that we talked about a little bit briefly earlier. Some of the report data, you're gonna be given a ton of artifact data. So registry information, um, DNS records, you're gonna see maybe you know IPv4s and URLs, so, and strings, of course. So with all of this data, it's all very nice to know, but I think to make sense of it, I recommend approaching this with a different methodology. So um, number one, when I, began doing malware analysis, I was 
really thankful to be uh, mentored by a lot of really smart people in this area. And so one of the effective means is setting goals. Now, when I'm, when I'm talking about setting goals for malware analysis, it kind of reflects back to what I said earlier of um, one of the goals that I personally like to set is, does this malware affect my environment? Is my company affected by this? And I think that's a great goal to have. It's a high level goal. And I also recommend maybe tacking on a couple others too that might be a little bit more malware specific. So for example, if you wanted to be very malware specific, you could say, does this malware communicate out to a, a URL or a domain? That's a very concrete, uh, specific goal to have. And so when you set that goal, that kind of gives you a good starting point. I also recommend goal setting as your initial kickoff and then using the analysis investigation methodology of OTA loops. Um, OTA loops aren't a new thing. OTA loops were created by a U.S. military strategist named John Boyd. And you see OTA loops being leveraged in multiple businesses and multiple types of environments. It's not strictly a security thing. Um, I've even seen OTA loops be used in sales before. So an, what an OTA loop is, OTA stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And if you take your goals for malware analysis and you combine those goals with an OTA loop framework, it can really help you be a lot more effective, especially when it comes to decision making. So number one, observe. When you're entering the observe phase of the OTA loop and when it pertains to um, malware analysis, what you're really doing is you're taking that malware and you're running it against your tool sets, whether that's Cuckoo that we talked about earlier or various tools inside of Remnux, um, but you're effectively gathering data on the threat. You know, does the, if you run the malware sample in a sandbox, does it execute successfully? Um, what artifacts or IOCs does it exhibit? And then once you gather that data, you move into the next phase, which is the orient phase. And that's really where you're validating the data that you've acquired during the observation phase. You want to find errors or anomalies. So for example, if you did execute that malware in a sandbox, but you noticed it failed to execute, okay, you've, you've flagged a, a, an error, you flagged an anomaly. Maybe that requires you to go back to the observation phase and maybe look at the strings of the uh, malware sample and look for any type of API calls that might exude uh, anti-debugging features. And so you're taking all of your findings and you're, you're effectively validating them to see if they meet what the goals are that you previously set. You know, so for example, we talked about strings and anti-debugging, but maybe you could find a URL that's embedded inside of the malware that would be uncovered during the observation phase. So you're kind of doing that validation. And then you're looking at the goal saying, okay, well, I do see API calls that would be used to make uh, HTTP requests. And I do see an embedded URL here. It looks like with a high confidence value that this malware does in fact beacon out or talk to or communicate with a URL. So you're kind of checking the boxes as you go along. Um, it's really, and it really helps you validate your time and how effective you are. And then um, the OTA loop moves over to decide. And so decide means what's the confidence of the data that I have? Have I achieved my goal of determining does this affect me or does this malware beacon out to a uh, URL? 
And the great thing about a loop is it's nonlinear. You can regress and go back to earlier phases uh, so long as it meets your needs of getting that data for your goal. You know, this is where as we get a little bit more sophisticated on the blue team side, can I dissect this malware and can I make a decision to uh, build a control that doesn't exist to protect my network? Can I build like an IPS rule to prevent communication up to that URL that we uncovered? Can I build a uh, antivirus signature because this maybe this executable did not get flagged in time? And then we move on to the outer loop uh, going to the act phase. And that's really just simple. That's just the execution phase. That's where you're taking your battle plans that you kind of divide, that you devised during the decide phase, and now you're acting on them. Um, so I really believe that if you take goal setting with the OTA loop, that's really going to cut down your time that you invest into malware analysis and just make yourself a lot more effective because it's really easy to go down the rabbit hole. You're just going to be completely surrounded with different data types. This has really proven successful for me in my career. Tarek, what's the role of automation? Automation will make your life as a malware analyst a lot easier. Automation really shines and shows its value when you are doing enterprise-based security, um, security at scale, if you will. Um, so anytime that you have a process, and this isn't exclusive to malware analysis, but anytime you have a process that requires a human to do an action or a thing multiple times, it's appropriate to look at that process and say, how can I automate that? And the reason why that could be so valuable is that time is effectively money. And if you are spending a lot of time, you're doing a process that's very repetitive, you're kind of wasting money and resources. And from a business perspective in security, you know, I know that there is a uh, big drive to have more budget, right? We want to have budget for training. We want to have budget for um, new appliances, new security services. And so if we can be a lot more cost effective with our time, we're saving the company money that hopefully can be reinvested into uh, making our security defenses a lot better. So automation can really pay itself off. And sometimes it's appropriate to pause doing analysis and, and churning out work on that level to say, you know, I want to take one or two weeks and I want to pause outputting work and I want to invest it into creating automation, whatever that may look like, to make my team and my individual job um, a lot more uh, streamlined. Tarek, let's take a step back and talk about domain tools. What are you doing to help organizations to improve their blue team's abilities to analyze malware? Yeah, domain tools is a phenomenal product for mapping out attacker infrastructure. And what I mean by that is when you're doing malware analysis and you uncover um, inevitably domains or URLs that are embedded or being called upon from this malware, oftentimes you want to know more about that domain. And not just from a research perspective. You know, from a security researcher perspective, it's nice to know what other domains are possibly involved by the same threat actor that you're affected by. But from a blue team perspective, more specifically, if I know that we have a domain that's embedded in a piece of malware, I have the ability to leverage domain tools and the Iris platform to understand other pieces of infrastructure, other name servers, other MX servers, other instances and endpoints that are associated with this attacker. And then I could build my defenses around that. So for example, if we have a domain that we uncovered that 
is flagged by our IDS platform, but we leverage the IRIS platform to find other pieces of infrastructure um, that are owned by the attacker that are not on our IDS or IPS rule list, we can now say, let's take those domains and let's build rules on top of our existing uh, IDS platform to block those additional domains. So it's great for research, but it's really valuable from a blue team perspective too, especially specifically as an output for malware analysis. Um, because one of your goals when doing malware analysis is to have valuable outputs. You need to be able to create signatures, you need to be able to create rules, YAR rules, AV rules, etc. And in order to do that effectively, you can definitely leverage uh, tools like IRIS for your um, intelligence gathering purposes. Well, Tarek, this has been insightful. Thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We've been talking about malware analysis for blue teams. It's been my pleasure to be speaking with Tarek Sala. He's a senior security engineer with Domain Tools. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.